Let's do this. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Live from the Houstonian newsroom on the campus of Sam Houston State University, this is Just Sports with Jordan Smith. Eagles by eight. Brady lines them up. He's back again. He steps up. He's hit. He stumbles. He is throwing it deep for the end zone, and it is batted around and incomplete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere. This is. And of course, that is the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles radio network, Merrill Reese, on the final call of Super Bowl 52, where after such a long and illustrious career, he finally gets to call a Super Bowl victory. Congrats to all the Philly fans out there. I believe the parade is going on today, actually. Uh, so congrats to all of them. I think I heard something about around 2 million people or so in the city of Philadelphia gathered for the parade today. You know, an amazing moment. Congratulations to them. Uh, but welcome to Just Sports with Jordan Smith. So glad that you could be here for today's episode two if you're coming back to the the podcast welcome back glad to have you back with us uh if you're here for the first time welcome if this is your first time welcome to just sports with jordan smith this is a weekly podcast every thursday at 1 p.m i will talk all things pro sports nfl nba mlb nhl stuff like that And then the last half hour or so of the show, we will dive into Sam Houston State Athletics. Coming up on the show today, we've got some trade talk as the trade deadline, uh, I believe, is actually today here, February 8th. It is actually. So a lot of stuff to go over with that today uh, in the show. So be sure you want to stay tuned for that. And also coming up, we will recap the Super Bowl as I haven't had a chance to do that yet. This is my first time on since the Super Bowl actually happened. So we'll recap the Super Bowl, and uh, we'll also look into some uh, some very interesting uh, things that have been happening in New England as far as the coaching situation goes. A little bit of that and more all coming up here on Just Sports with Jordan Smith. We're going to go ahead and head into the first quarter. So we're going to go ahead and kick things off here with the first quarter like you just heard by the referee whistle. To get things underway here in the podcast, we're going to start out in the NBA. And first off, we're going to have to talk some uh, some LeBron James here. LeBron not willing and not wanting to waive his no-trade clause so that way the Cavs can't trade him before he potentially leaves for free agency to try to get some value out of him. So LeBron not waiving his no-trade clause. What does that mean exactly? Well, for one thing, in the literal sense of the term, by him not waiving his no-trade clause, the Cleveland Cavaliers cannot trade him. Period. Because it means he still has a no-trade clause on his contract. And the only way for the Cavaliers to be able to even get rid of him is if LeBron waives that clause but because of the no trade clause LeBron is telling the team you're not trading me and we'll we'll see what happens in free agency honestly I've got my own speculation I'm I'm not 100% sure that he will stay with Cleveland in all honestly honesty I think he will come down here uh, to the Houston area and join the Houston Rockets that just seems to make the most sense if he isn't going to stay in the Cleveland Houston does make the most sense you've got the 
leading MVP candidate right now in James Harden, uh, who just a couple weeks ago came off one of the most historic, if not the most historic, triple-double in NBA history. We actually talked about it last week, so it was a week ago, with the 60-point triple-double first time in NBA history. In doing so, the Rockets are have won six games in a row now with their win last night and against the Heat, I believe 109 to 101 was the final score. So the Rockets are able to keep it going. You got Chris Paul on the team, and Chris Paul's good friends with both James Harden and LeBron James. They're both really great friends with each other, uh, and so it really it really makes the most sense. And plus, it would help as far as trying to solidify the starting lineup. Obviously, the Rockets do have a good starting lineup. You've got Harden and Paul. Paul, whenever he is in the game and not hurt. But you got Harden and Paul. You've then got Ariza. You've got Capella. And, of course, you've got sometimes an, an alternation between Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon sometimes. Nene will even start every once in a while. You know, it, just kind of like a rotation of that of that fourth spot. That's in the line because Capella does have the five, Ariza with the three, obviously Harden and Paul with the one and two. It really does make for a very interesting situation as far as bringing on LeBron James. Now, I will say this. In order for Houston even be able to afford LeBron James, they're going to have to make some kind of magic happen with the cap room. Daryl Morey's going to have to probably put on some ruby shoes, tap the heels a couple times, and just let magic happen because, honestly, it's a mess. The only thing I could possibly see happening is if the Rockets get rid of two or three contracts that are about anywhere from a million and a half to three million dollars over the next couple years, Try to collect that, and you're going to have to get rid of some of those contracts, honestly. And then, Chris Paul, if he wants to come back, which I assume he does, what's going to end up having to happen is Chris Paul is going to have to say, okay, here's what I'll do. I will take what I'm making right now, which is about $20 million, and I will cut it in half. He's going to have to literally take an entire pay cut of half of what he's actually making in order to be able to help this team in the long run as far as being able to afford LeBron James because the Rockets uh, the Rockets cap space is not it's not a pretty sight to see to be quite honest with you looking at the the numbers right here James Harden right now. Let's actually go year by year here. So a multi-year outlook here right now. Chris Paul does become an unrestricted free agent after this season where he's making $24.6 million if you round it up. After that, he becomes a free agent. He'll have to cut his contract in half if he wants to be able to help the Rockets out a bit. Trevor Ariza is going to be getting a a uh, an unrestricted free agent, he might have to s- say instead of making seven point four million dollars in order to help out the team, I might have to do the veteran minimum, which would take a significant amount out of his co- out of his uh, his contract, especially if you're comparing it from what he's making now to what he would be making with a veteran minimum. But in order for the Rockets to do that. And to be able to bring back guys that they like a lot. For example, Clint Capella and Shinanu Onuwaku are both restricted free agents, so they've got control over those guys. But other than that, you've got Chris Paul, unrestricted free agent. Gerald Green, who not only loves the team, but the team and the city love him, as he is the hometown kid, unrestricted free agent. Trevor Reza, unrestricted free agent. Tariq Black, unrestricted free agent. Luke Richard Mbaumute. Unrestricted free agent. That's five guys right there that I know the Rockets want to bring back. And they want to add LeBron James too. But in order to be able to afford all of that, 
all of these guys are going to have to take a pay cut. Chris Paul is going to be the main one, though, because he's going to literally have to take a 50% or maybe just a little bit more pay cut in order to be able to afford LeBron James in the offseason. Gerald Green, if he wants to come back, he might have to take maybe a couple hundred thousand off. Obviously now playing in a in his hometown, he might want to take a couple hundred thousand off in order to help his hometown team so he can stay on the team, obviously. Trevor Reza, like I said, is going to have to probably go to the veteran minimum, which would actually give the Rockets somewhere around $6.5 million or so, uh, maybe a little bit less to add to the amount to give and offer LeBron James and try to add to the cap room. Tariq Black and and Bob Mute, if they want to come back, and Bob Mute might have to take a a pay cut of about five hundred thousand dollars. He's now making one point four seven million, so he might have to take a little bit of a pay cut. Tariq Black, who's making three point two nine million right now, he might have to take a pay cut of about I would honestly probably say a couple million. I know it's a lot, but this is what you got to do when you've got all these contracts and it's a good thing that the Rockets have all these contracts that are so that all the five of these guys that are unrestricted free agents because then they have the ability to bring these guys back for less and be able to restock their cap space obviously they're going to bring back Clint Capella he's these their their main guy down low in the post that's that's the guy and so Obviously, you're going to bring him back. So, unless he gets paid more, I would keep him at the $2.3 million that he's already making this year. Maybe add on a couple hundred thousand. Uh, but other than that, not much, to, not much that I would add. Because you're still trying to save money to... And gather money to offer LeBron James. Who right now is, I believe, making somewhere around $44 million this year. Which is absolutely insane. And they're making that much in just one season. It's, I don't understand it. It's absolutely insane. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I wish I could make that money, but I can't right now. I'm just a broke college student. <laughs> so, but anyways. So like I said, you got Capella and Anawaku who are, Capella's an unrestricted free agent, or a restricted free agent, excuse me, after this season. Anawaku is a restricted free agent in 2019 so you still have him under contract for 1.5 million dollars next season he could possibly be a potential trade piece for a draft pick in the offseason to clear that cap space and try to again get a get a it would be a million and a half dollars the Rockets would be getting back because they wouldn't be paying the contract anymore, it'd be the new team to be able to uh, once again clear some room for LeBron James to potentially come and join the Houston Rockets. Demetrius Jackson, he's not an unrestricted or restricted free agent. After this season, he's the backup point guard for Chris Paul, only making seventy-four thousand dollars. Right now, he is actually the lowest contract, or the third lowest contract, excuse me. There's a couple of dead cap um, players that the Houston Rockets have in Isaiah Cannon. They grabbed him as a waiver claim and then got rid of him immediately again. So they owe him $49,000. And then Christopher Johnson, a small forward, another dead cap guy, they owe him $25,000 this season. And so for the Rockets... They've got a lot of they got a lot of work to do as far as their cap space goes. They've got a lot of work to do. I know LeBron James might ask he might go for a little bit less to kind of help out the Rockets as well. Cuz the Rockets aren't going to have much to work with right now. They're it looks like if I if I'm reading this right, they are at about negative $17 million. That's not where you want to be. It's not where you want to be. At all. Whatsoever. That's not where you want to be. It's not the kind of situation you want to be in when you're trying to get somebody who's $44 million. 
not where you want to be. Now, I will say when the Rockets do sign, let's say Chris Paul goes for only $12 million. They're going to get half of that back. So instead of seven negative seventeen million, it'll go. You'll t- you'll add twelve million to that, so it'll only make it because you're getting twelve million back from what you were just paid. So, in other words, that would be negative five million dollars. The Rockets would be at. Let's just say it's at an even negative uh, at an even twelve million dollars that you're paying Chris Paul. You get an even twelve and a half million back. So it'd actually be about four million. And let's call it 4.7 million negative dollars that the Houston Rockets would have to then again give Ariza the veteran minimum of about it's around like I want to say 800,000 to a million dollars. So that would give the Rockets about five and a half to six million, or actually that would give them about six and a half million, or yeah, about six and a half million dollars if my math serves me right. So that will put him back in the positive uh, territory. And so with that, uh, I believe the salary cap does raise next year. Not by much, but I believe it does raise next year. Especially since the fact that the Rockets will not have $757,000 in dead cap space. And so that all together right there could pay for most of the veteran minimum contract for Trevor Ariza. So you're basically getting almost every single dollar of his $7.42 million you're getting back to add to the cap space. So honestly, those two contracts alone can take care of putting them back in the positive. Just from there, it's a matter of what are they going to do with Gerald Green? Are they going to bring him back? And if so, are they going to give him the same exact contract? Tariq Black and Bahamute, are they going to bring them back? Are they going to sign both of them to veteran minimums, especially in Bahamute? Are they going to sign them to veteran minimums? What are they going to do with Tariq Black? Are they going to say, hey, we want to bring in LeBron, but we need to cut the pay? And also, here's another one. Here's another one that's very interesting. I know this probably won't happen, but Eric Gordon, he's making $12.9 million right now this season. Next year, he's due to make $13.5 million. I would I would be very interested to see if Daryl Morey went and restructured the contract of Eric Gordon to give him a little less, still have the raising amount each year, but cut it by maybe a couple million each year to try to get some money back, save a little bit of money, stuff like that. And James Harden, I don't know if they will talk to him about doing something like that he's making 28.29 so we'll say 28.3 to round it up million dollars this year next year he's due for 30.42 million in next in the 2018 season ryan anderson 19.58 million dollars this year 20.42 million next season so you have a little bit of will grim to be able to Really try to restructure the contract, try to restructure some of these players' contracts, see if they will take a pay cut or not to help be able to afford bringing in LeBron James. Because if you can get LeBron James and be able to keep all the guys on here, obviously you'll have to get rid of somebody because of because of the fact that you... I believe they're already at the max of 15 with obviously the two players that are the two-way contracts. Uh, and so with that, the Houston Rockets, I believe those the two-way players are Bobby Brown and Cameron Oliver. I believe they're the two-way. And so excluding those players out of it, um, really for the Houston Rockets, they've got to find a way to be able to restructure their contracts in a way to where they can afford to be able to bring in LeBron James, keep everybody they want, and bring everybody back and be able to build because if they can get LeBron James for next season, there's no way in heck they're not getting to the finals in the 2018 to 2019 season. I will go on record in saying if they get LeBron James, the Houston Rockets will be the Western Conference Finals representatives 
in the 2019 NBA Finals. You can mark that down. You can hold that word up to me right now. Uh, let it be known that I'm making my prediction right now. If the Rockets get LeBron James this offseason, for sure they will absolutely, without a doubt, be able to get to the NBA Finals and maybe even win it in the 2018 to 2019 season. Now quickly here, we got a couple minutes left, or a few minutes left, so we'll take these next few minutes to go over some of the trade deadline Obviously, the Rockets and LeBron talk took a lot of time. We'll talk a little bit of trade deal, and we got about three and a half minutes or so before we move on to the NFL. So let's go ahead and talk some trade deadline. So obviously, the trade deadline is today in the NBA, and uh, there's there's a couple of things that have really happened in the NBA already that I find very interesting. First off, the Milwaukee Bucks acquiring Tyler Zeller a couple days ago from the New York Nets in a trade. I, or the Brooklyn Nets, excuse me. I thought that was a very interesting trade. I didn't know about it until last night. I wasn't really paying attention, quite honestly, to the NBA trade rumors because there really hasn't been many trades going on. There's just been a lot of talk and not a lot of action. And so, honestly, that's just something that I haven't really been focusing on. I'm not going to lie. I really haven't been focusing on the NBA tread down deadline as much, but that's also because I haven't been hearing much about the NBA tread de deadline whatsoever. And so for me, honestly, it's just something that I'm just not... It's 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 not like I'm not purposely... I'm purposely not paying attention. It's just, again, nothing's really happening. There's not much going on besides that. It's just a bunch of talk like Adrian Wojnarowski with ESPN reporting, you know, the teams are reaching out to Memphis about Marcus Gasol, but the Mem but the Grizzlies are shutting down every single talk because they're not going to trade Marcus Gasol. So there really isn't much of that. The Lakers have turned down a whole bunch of teams offering second round picks for Julius Randle according to Adrian Wojnarowski. And so, honestly, you know, there's just a bunch of these things happening. Um, there is another trade that happened, not really a big name or anything like that, going down. Charlotte, the Hornets, uh, were, are getting the, the Knicks. Uh, Willie, and excuse me if I get this name wrong, but Willie Hernan Gomez for Johnny O'Brien, who will be sent to the Knicks, and two future second-round picks. And so that's really, honestly, the only other trade that I can really see that's a big one. Obviously, we talked about Blake Griffin last week in that huge trade that no one really saw coming and just kind of jumped out of left field. And so that trade happened. And honestly, it's not much has really happened. I would expect something to maybe happen, maybe one more trade to possibly happen, but I don't see much else happening. Uh, in this trade deadline, most everything will most likely happen in the offseason. It's time for the second inning. Once again, in the second inning is usually going to be the largest part of our show, the main focus point of the show each week. For those of you who are new, for those of you who are coming back, you'll recognize that this has already started off to be almost the same exact way as last time, and that's going to continue right here with the second inning, as the second inning will be all things NFL. Now, I haven't had a chance to be able to come on here yet, as today is the weekly episode day. So I haven't been able to come on here and share my reactions to the Super Bowl. So that's going to be mainly what we're talking about here in this segment of the second inning in the NFL talk is reacting to the Super Bowl and then we'll also get into a little bit of Brady and McDaniels and that whole situation in New England. But let's go ahead and react a little bit to the Super Bowl. But first things first, I just want to say if you remember from last week, I made my prediction of what was going to happen in the Super Bowl in the final buzzer and then I tweeted it out the day of the Super Bowl just to make sure so you can go back and listen to episode one 
or you can also go to my Twitter at JordanSmithPXP and you can verify that what I am about to say is true, that I did pick the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, so I got that right. I picked the score to be 27 to 24, hoping there was going to be defense, and I got that completely wrong, as we all know. 41-33 obviously was the final in the game. Philly taking home the Lombardi Trophy for the first time in franchise history, getting the win over the New England Patriots, who were trying to go for their sixth Super Bowl in franchise history. Obviously, looking at the stats, Nick Foles, 28 of 43, with 337, or 373 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Tom Brady, sort of the same stat line, 28 of 48 passing, so almost the same amount of passes. They completed the same amount of passes. 505 yards for the golden boy, Tom Brady, three touchdowns. No interceptions as well. Leading rusher for the Eagles was LeGarrette Blunt. 14 carries for 90 yards, 6.4 yards a carry, and one touchdown in the game as well. And for the New England Patriots, White was the leading rusher. 7 carries, 45 yards, 6.4 yards a carry, and one touchdown to his name as well. Now, taking a look back at this game, honestly... It was a very high-powered offensive game for sure. A lot of offense in this one, not a lot of defense, and it upset me a little to not really see any defense at all whatsoever. Not something that I really truly appreciated because I'm a I'm a guy who likes to see some defensive battle. It, it makes a game it makes a game pretty good and well-rounded when you have both offense and defense going at a consistent rate and going pretty well at the same time. But as we all know by now, unfortunately, no defense was shown in that game whatsoever. And the offense was the main headline of the football game. Now kind of looking back at some of the decisions that were made in this Super Bowl game. Obviously, the Patriots made an interesting choice trying to throw that pass to Tom Brady uh, at right at a random spot in the first half try to throw to Tom Brady and have him go out as a receiver obviously fell off the fingertips of Brady incomplete pass and then right before the end of the first half the Eagles said well if you can do it why don't we try it so here is the call of that play Uh-oh. and they're going to snap it and it's Trey Burton who throws caught. Foles, touchdown. And watch all the action. Foles is going to sneak over here. Direct snap. Everybody comes up. And here we go. What a play call by Doug Peterson. This play call has a chance to be remembered as one of the all-time greats. And so, as you just heard, that was the call of the play with the... Touchdown to Nick Foles on an exact replica of what the Patriots just did earlier in the half. Eagles were able to convert, however, unlike the New England Patriots. And so looking back at the Super Bowl, for me, it wasn't the fact that the defense really didn't show up was the reason why the Patriots lost. It wasn't the fact that the Eagles were able to get the touchdowns when they needed it most when to win the Super Bowl. It wasn't any of that that really contributed to whether or not the Patriots lost and whether or not the Eagles won. For me, the whole reason why the New England Patriots lost and the Philadelphia Eagles won the game is because of one word, risk. Doug Peterson. That one word is risk. Three, two. That one word is risk. Doug Peterson, rookie head coach, first Super Bowl, was able to take his team in his rookie season to the number one seed in the NFC, take them through the playoffs without their franchise quarterback and Carson Wentz. They said, no problem, insert Nick Foles, and we're going to go to the Super Bowl. They're at the Super Bowl, and there you go. 
They're now facing the Giant in the New England Patriots. And they're looking across the way and they're saying, well, if you look at past history, you know, if we can play like the New York Giants, then we can beat this team. But of course, in those games, if you remember with the New York Giants and the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, there was actually this thing called defense. However, no defense in the game, as we've already alluded to before, but we're not going to get too much into that. So anyways, coaching staff for the Eagles, Doug Peterson looked and said, okay, if we play like the Eagles, we could we have a, we have a good chance of winning. But then they also said, you know what, we don't want to play like the Giants, though. We want to play like the Eagles. We want to do our own style of football. So they did their own style of football, and the Eagles went... And they said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to throw a couple of surprises as well. We're going to take some risk. We're going to go down the field even when it's not the smartest play. We're going to try to trick the Patriots just a little bit, try to beat them at their own game in order to try to get inside their head and try to win the football game. And that's exactly what Doug Peterson did, and I commend him on doing exactly that and being able to win the Super Bowl by out-coaching Bill Belichick. And for me, the whole reason why the Patriots lost the Super Bowl was because of Bill Belichick. He did the complete opposite, pulled a 180 of what Doug Peterson did. He didn't take enough risk. He tried it once with the pass to Tom Brady, fell out of his hands, and he... Obviously, the pass is incomplete, and after that, he didn't try any more risk. And that's something that I think was pretty much the whole reason why the Patriots lost the Super Bowl. I'm not saying because of that play, but I'm saying because of the fact that Belichick decided to not take enough risk when it was needed to try to put his team in a position to win the football game. Another reason would be because of the fact that he decided... Okay, so I'm going to look at my best defensive player in Malcolm Butler, who has played at least 95% of the snaps played for the New England Patriots this season, in the regular season and postseason combined, and said, okay, we're going to be in a game where you won it for us just a few years ago against Seattle with that goal line interception. You won the Super Bowl for us, came out of nowhere, and turned evidently into our best defensive player on the field, and yes, I'm saying that with James Harrison on the field as well. Best defensive player for the Patriots, Malcolm Butler. I'm going to go to you and say, you're not playing a snap in the Super Bowl. He was the most impactful, other than Brady. In my opinion, he is one of the top three most impactful players for the New England Patriots in the entire 2017 to 2018 season, regular season and postseason. And then you're going to go to him in the biggest game of his life. Even though he's already been there before, it's still a Super Bowl. It's still, no matter how many times you go, it's still the biggest game of your life. And say, hi there, most impactful person on the defense for us in the past two to three years. We are not going to have you play a snap in the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles, who have Alshon Jeffrey as a main target in the wide receiver slot. Please tell me where that makes any sense in the world. Please tell me, because I would love to know where that makes any sense whatsoever. To me, it doesn't make any sense at all because of the fact that, well, you're trying to win the game. You don't then not have a player of yours play in the game that has helped you get to that point and has been the most impactful player on the defensive side of the ball and has helped get the ball back into the hands of Tom Brady in games and in games like especially the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC Championship game he had a huge impact in that game and that's it's just something I don't understand from Belichick's perspective. I don't understand why you would sit him. I don't understand why you'd bench him. But the point I'm trying to make here is Belichick lost the Super Bowl. Peterson won the Super Bowl. 
yes, Nick Foles won the MVP, whatever. But if I had to choose, honestly, my MVP would be Doug Peterson. Now, some people are going to say, well, it's not even his roster. It's Chip Kelly's roster. And you're right, it is Chip Kelly's roster. But Chip Kelly, with his own roster, couldn't do what Doug Peterson did. That shows you right there that without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, Doug Peterson is a way better coach than Chip Kelly ever was in the NFL. Chip Kelly is kind of one of those guys for me that can he get one winning season or two winning seasons in the NFL? Sure. He can get a couple winning seasons. Every coach can get a couple winning seasons. But he can't succeed in the NFL. Chip Kelly is a college coach, and we'll get into that in later episodes. We don't have time for that today, but point of the matter is, what I'm trying to say is that the New England Patriots lost the Super Bowl because of Bill Belichick, and the Eagles won the Super Bowl because of Doug Peterson, who in my opinion, if I had a vote, would get my vote for the Coach of the Year. Obviously, Sean McVay, congrats to him winning the Coach of the Year award. He does deserve it as well, but in my opinion, I feel like Doug Peterson does deserve it more because he was able to, and I understand playoffs aren't a factor. You know, you can't, Super Bowl's not a factor. I understand that. Both of them were rookie head coaches. Rams, sure, they got to the playoffs for the first time in forever. But the Eagles, the rookie head coach, and their franchise quarterback going down, yes, he did play most of the season, but their franchise quarterback going down at the end of the season, at the end, at the later part of the season, towards the end of the season, still weren't able. The Eagles were still able to get the number one seed in the NFC. And that was heading into the playoffs. They're still able to clinch the number one seed and home field advantage in a first round bye. For me, Doug Peterson should have been the coach of the year in the NFL. I understand why Sean McVay is. Congrats to him. With either coach, I would have been okay with it. But I do feel like Doug Peterson is the coach of Now let's get into a little bit about this coaching situation with Josh McDaniels after originally saying he was going to go take the job with the Indianapolis Colts. Apparently he's decided to change his mind on that. And so now he will be going back to New England as the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. He will be retaining his position with the team. And it seems like it seems like the Patriots got, got away with one on that one because they almost lost what would have been a very good uh, replacement for... Bill Belichick. Now, on the way back home from the Super Bowl, I went home to my family for the weekend to watch the Super Bowl. And on the drive back up here to Huntsville for class the next day, I was listening to Fox Sports Radio, who was, I forget what the name of the show was, but they were going over and just talking about the Super Bowl. It was about an hour or so after the game had actually ended. I'm driving back, and now it's about 11.30-ish or so. I'm driving back, and they play this audio. They say there was a report from a, a guy. I forget his, I forget the reporter's name, so excuse me on that. But with CSN New England, Comcast Sportsnet New England, had a report, and I tried to find the audio. I couldn't find it, and so I do apologize for that. But basically what the what the reporter said for CSN New England said and this remember this was Sunday night the Super Bowl had just finished an hour hour and a half before I heard this audio and the CSN New England reporter said that there is a pretty good chance and most likely will happen remember this is Sunday night that Josh McDaniels will not go to Indy and will in fact 
stay at New England and will try to become the successor of Bill Belichick, replacing him whenever it is that he leaves, maybe next season, two seasons later, or even this year if Belichick decides to retire or leave the team this offseason. And of course now, yesterday, it was reported that who was going to be the former Patriots offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, will not... He, he basically backed out of his agreement and is returning to the Patriots to be their offensive coordinator. Now you ask, how is this possible? Why did this even happen? Well, here's a report from Darren Hartwell, a reporter for the New England Sports Network. This is a, a, a quote from his story. I'll read this to you here. And in Darren's story, it says, According to reports, McDaniels received a contract, quote-unquote, sweetener from Patriots owner Robert Kraft and an assurance that Bill Belichick would stay on as head coach in 2018. So, if you heard that correctly, McDaniels only came back because Robert Kraft promised him that Bill Belichick would be the head coach of the New England Patriots in 2018. And so with that being said, now now that kind of leaves you with, with one thing. Why exactly, and how exactly is it, that Robert Kraft was, one, going to be able to try to convince, because apparently now he has to convince Belichick to be the head coach of the Patriots for this next season. But, from what this is also saying, is that Josh McDaniels will most likely, and what the New England, uh, the Comcast Sportsnet New England reporter said back on Sunday, is now coming true yesterday and even today, that Josh McDaniels will most likely become the successor of Bill Belichick once Bill Belichick either leaves or resigns. Is this a good thing for the Patriots? Yes, because they escaped with a huge, huge, huge lucky break, being able to keep Josh McDaniels. Because honestly, I don't think, especially with Matt, Pat Matt Patricia leaving to go be the head coach of the Detroit Lions, I didn't really see any other qualified candidates besides Josh McDaniels to take the job as the head coach of the New England Patriots. Of course, right now, Bill Belichick is still the head coach of the Patriots. We'll see if that changes or not down the line here in the next little bit. But, for the New England Patriots, this is a great thing. For the Colts, this is not, because now they don't have a head coach, and they've got to start looking at players, and they've already started looking at players. The, the draft combine is coming up here pretty soon, they're going to have to start, you know, they're going to have to have somebody there. You know, the GM will probably go, but there's no head coach. There's nobody to recruit these players. There's no one to, to interview these players besides the GM, and they want to talk to the head coach. You know, there's no head coach to give his input on a player. You know, none of that. And so the Colts are really in a bad situation because we all know most likely they're going to try to find a replacement for Andrew Luck. Because the Colts, honestly, I just don't think trust Andrew Luck anymore. And I wouldn't if I was the Colts either. I wouldn't trust Andrew Luck because he, he, he gets hurt too much. It's just as simple as that. He gets hurt way too much. And so with that being said, honestly for me, I – honestly, Colts are in a bad situation. That's what I'm trying to say. Colts are in a bad situation. Patriots were able to kind of save their future just a tiny bit by retaining Josh McDaniels. Now the next question. Will Bill Belichick retire in this offseason? Or will he lead the Patriots in this offseason? In my opinion, no. He's going to be the coach of the Patriots in 2018. He might, he might retire after this next season. He might either that or lead the team either this next season or 2020. Kind of have to wait and see how that goes. But honestly, I don't feel like there's any way Belichick leaves or retires the team this offseason. But, honestly, you never know. I mean, like I said, Josh McDaniels would be the perfect su successor for 
Belichick because then Brady, if he still plays after Belichick leaves, gets to keep the system he wants and he likes with Josh McDaniels, gets to keep the same playbook. You know, the Patriots, all the other players on offense get to keep the same exact stuff so they don't have to go and learn a whole new playbook and use an entire season of, you know, we're trying to learn a new offense. And so really for New England, this is a lucky break for them. Um, and really this is just kind of where – this is kind of where the the Patriots lucked out because for any other team, it would have been a no-brainer to kind of leave. To just leave and say, sorry, I've got an offer. This is what I got. But because of Robert Kraft convincing McDaniels that he's going to convince Belichick to, to be the coach of the Patriots in 2018, Josh McDaniels is back in New England. Everybody up there gets to still be happy and get to keep their offense coordinator they all love so much. And he's a good offensive coordinator. I'll give him that. He's a good offensive coordinator. But not going to lie, I think, honestly, it might have been better if Josh McDaniels was the head coach right now instead of Belichick being the head coach right now. But that's a debate for another time. All right, and with that, we are now going to head to our halftime break. Once we come back, we'll talk a little bit back nine headlines, and then we'll get right into our Sam Houston half hour. But first, before we go to halftime... Let us know on Twitter at JustSportsPod by voting on this week's poll question. The question of the week is, will the head coach for the New England Patriots in the 2018 season be either Josh McDaniels or Bill Belichick? Like I said, let us know on Twitter at JustSportsPod. There will be a poll there. It should be up by now when this episode goes up. should be up at the same time this episode is up. So be sure to go and vote on Twitter at JustSportsPod and also give us a follow. We'll be right back to the second half of the show after this halftime break. That's right, it is time for the back nine headlines. Just a quick rapid fire of back of some of the nine headlines from this past week in the world of sports. And so get ready and here we go with some back nine headlines. So the Astros and George Springer avoid arbitration, signing Springer to a two-year deal, keeping him from not being a free agent for the next couple years. They got him for a couple more years. They can run a couple more World Series chances with Springer. What does this mean for the rest of the guys? Carlos Correa, is he going to get a contract as well at some point? Alex Bregman, will he get a contract extension at some point? Altuve, they'll most likely bring back Altuve. Will he be able to get a third contract extension, though, without hitting the free agent market? We'll see how that goes. National Signing Day. Honestly, who who really won National Signing Day? In my opinion, and in everybody's opinion, without a doubt, Georgia did. Georgia Bulldogs, best class that they could have gotten. Watch out for them. They're going to be a huge threat once again. And this year, I think they will win the National Championship in their own fair way. Josh McDaniels, like we just talked about, opting to not go to the Colts, and he's going to stay with New England. How big is this for the Patriots? Again, huge for the Patriots. They have their potential successor in Josh McDaniels. They have their potential successor for Bill Belichick. And so all is right for them in the world, and they get to live happily ever after. Like we talked about earlier, LeBron decides to not waive his no-trade clause, meaning the Cavaliers cannot trade him away for the remainder of his contract. And again, LeBron does have that player option at the end of the season. What does this mean for LeBron? He has total control over everything, and the Cavaliers have control over nothing. Christoph Porzingis, 
out for the season with a torn left ACL. Obviously, huge devastation for Porzingis. Hopefully, he will be able to recover well and soon. And I hope for his sake that he is able to get back into game action soon and be able to do what he loves to do, which is play the game of basketball. Meanwhile, for the Knicks, they got to figure out how to build a team. They got to figure out how to do that. The Southwest Independent Baseball League has added a city, Joplin, Missouri, as their third announced city for a new team. No new team name just yet, but it is a new independent league team in the Southwest League for the 2019 season to go along with the Waco Blue Cats and the Roy City Griffins. Congratulations to Joplin, Missouri, and welcome to the Southwest League. Lou Williams of the LA Clippers got a three-year deal a couple of days ago, or actually yesterday, I believe, to stay with the Clippers. Is he going to be the new franchise guy in L.A.? I sure hope so. He's a great guy. I loved him when he was in Houston for the half season he was. Great guy, amazing talent, and I hope nothing for the best for him. The Cavaliers and the Clippers are in talks with the deadline looming here just a few hours away. Cavaliers and Clippers are in talks of trading, making a trade with DeAndre Jordan as the centerpiece of the trade. Will it happen? Not sure. Most likely, DeAndre Jordan will probably end up staying as a Clipper for the rest of the season. And then in the offseason, they'll probably try to make a move, maybe include a couple of draft picks, something like that. Who knows? We'll see how that goes. And finally... Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reports that, quote, several teams tell ESPN that they're already easing out of the trade market today to focus on filling needs with what is expected to be a strong post-deadline pool of free agents in the buyout market. It's time for the Sam Houston half hour. That's right. We are going to go ahead and just jump straight into the Sam Houston half, half hour. No third period today, but... Before we do that, we do have some breaking news for you. To, right now, as this is as I'm recording, this is breaking. Obviously, you will have known this for at least a couple hours or so. But the L.A. Lakers are trading. The L.A. Lakers, excuse me, are trading Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Source from source a league source tells ESPN. This is what Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN is reporting. Cleveland is sending the Lakers Isaiah Thomas and Channing Frye. Cavaliers are also sending a 2018 first round pick. And so there you have it. Isaiah Thomas has officially moved teams, and he is now an LA Laker. Let's now get started. With the final segment of our show today, the Sam Houston Half Hour. Alright, it's now time for the Sam Houston Half Hour. We're going to briefly go over the recap of the men's basketball game last night where the Sam Houston State Bearcats took care of business and thanks to some late three-pointers came in at a pretty clutch time, got the win 66-64 to and improved to a record of 15 and 10 and 9 and 3 in the conference to move them up to second place in the Southland Conference half a game behind Nichols State for first in Southland and we'll also go over some baseball and softball just a little bit of talk point there we'll talk to coach Matt Deggs and pitcher Hayden Wisniewski about the upcoming season. But for now, let's go ahead and get started with the recap of the Bearcats win last night. And let's go ahead and get some some uh, some audio from Coach Hooten about the game last night. Here's some remarks from Coach Jason Hooten about the game last night. Well, um, what, a, what a battle, what a game. Um, those are not fun when you lose them. So we've obviously been on the other side of that. I just can't tell you how well Corpus played tonight and how good they're playing right now. Um, but I knew they would continue to get better, and they're just well coached. I, I knew that this game would come down to that. I did, just because 
not because our guys weren't ready to play. Our guys understand that they're good and they've been playing really well and won four or five in a row. I just thought that it would come down to that kind of game because, you know, you're playing a hot team. And when you play a hot team, it really doesn't matter where you play them. You just got to play well. I don't know if we played our best tonight. Probably have to give them credit for that. But I'm super proud of our guys, the way we finished that game. And we made some huge free throws. And we got a big time stop at the end, which is what we needed. That was Coach talking about his team in the victory last night against A&M Corpus Christi to get the victory and improve themselves to second place in the conference. Marcus Harris talked a little bit post-game uh, about his performance, and here's what he had to say about the game and about the win last night and how it affects them going on for the rest of the season. It's crucial because uh, we got a few tough games coming up. Lamar, New Orleans, Nichols. All top-tier teams in the league, so we needed to go ahead and take care of business in this one and then come out and show, show out in the next games. So it was big for us. The Bearcats last night were able to get it done on the boards as well as the Bearcats were able to out-rebound the Islanders 38-29, to outnumbered them in the assist total 18-10, to and able to out-number out, uh, them in steals 6-4, to both had the same number of turnovers at 13, but really the, one of the big differences in the game was that three-point shooting by the Bearcats, and that's pretty much what not only kept them in the game late, but able to get them the lead at some points and able to have them hold on to the win as their bench also contributed, outscoring the Islanders 18-6 to with bench points and second-chance opportunities. Bearcats outscored the Islanders 10-8. to each team tied to fast break points and points in the paint. Fast break, each team had four in the paint. Each team had 18 points total. So overall, it was a pretty evenly matched up game by both of these teams heading into tonight's contest. Last few years has been a pretty close one uh, by both of these teams. But the Bearcats, luckily and thankfully, were able to just scrape past and able to get the win that they very, very much needed in order to keep themselves in the conversation for qualifying for the Southland Conference Tournament and for improving their their ranking, as they so did last night. Now only half a game behind first place in the Southland Conference in Nichols State, which actually they have coming up, I want to say, in the next couple weeks. Let me go ahead and double-check that for you just to make sure I have my my thoughts right here because I believe they play them in a couple weeks. Then again, they could be the next game they actually play them, so let me double-check here. It, no, they will play them in a couple weeks. They'll actually play them next week on Valentine's Day. That will be in Louisiana. Lamar will be the home game next week. In Huntsville, Saturday the 10th. So actually, it will be in a couple days. That's their next game at 6:15 p.m. at the Johnson Coliseum. The last time the Bearcats played Lamar, played them in Boma, and they lost in overtime by a final score of 84 to 77 in that contest. One of the main performers uh, for the Bearcats. Once again, was John Dewey. He had 18 points and 7 assists. He had a steal in that game as well. He had a couple of rebounds to add to his name as well. And you also had players like Abreon Edwards, who had 14 points and 5 assists in 28 minutes of play. And then Josh Delaney, the last time those two teams played, 2 rebounds, 12 points on 4 of 5, shooting from behind the arc, 4 of 7 total field goal. In the game, two assists, a block, and two steals for Josh Delaney. So look for him to have a big impact in Saturday's game against the Lamar Cardinals as well. Maybe try to see if he can repeat not only last night's performance, but the performance he had against Lamar the last time in Saturday's contest, which would be a big one against the Lamar Cardinals. And now next week, baseball and softball will be underway. Softball actually got started today. Well, actually be getting started today, later tonight, uh, at a tournament in San Marcos. So 
Uh, best wishes to the Bearcat squad in San Marcos for the softball team to try to win that tournament out there. But they will start their home opener next week, the same day as baseball will. Softball will be doing a Sam Houston tournament like they do every year. It will be Friday, February 16th. Uh, that will be at 4.45 and 7 p.m. for both of those games for softball and for baseball. They will be starting that same night, February 16th at 6.30 p.m. at Don Sanders Stadium as they take on Kent State. Here is some audio from Coach Deggs about his team uh, going into the season. It's a great run. It's uh, just a very tough team, very resilient team that – uh, you know, that was as great a finish as we had. That team encountered a lot of adversity and, and uh, had to battle and call their way back. And, and uh, so uh, they finished the season great. Uh, and then we returned 23 guys off of that team. And uh, they, they all understand where the bar is and what the expectation is. And so uh, just a bunch of guys that like to punch a time card, like to work, have fun together, play for each other. And uh, if we stay healthy, we'll have a chance. One of the players returning for the Bearcat baseball squad to this 2018 season is now sophomore Hayden Wesneski. Heading into this season, last year he had a pretty good record. He went uh, 10, 10 for 3, or 10 for 2, excuse me, 10 and 2 with a 3.8 ERA in 13 starts and 18 appearances. So not a bad year at all by any means. That was a pretty good year if you... If you say so, uh, if you do, if you ask me, I should say. Um, so here is some audio from Hayden on heading into his second season of play with the Bearcats and what he's looking forward to this season. Uh, well, obviously, I just want I want more like I want a three pitch mix. I want to be able to command the ball, but to be able to get my guys back into play is what I want to do. And I obviously want to win another ten games, but I'm not going to do that by myself. So there you heard Hayden Wisniewski talking about the upcoming season for the Bearcats. Like I said, opening day for them will be Friday, February 16th at 6.30 p.m. at Don Sanders Stadium. So if you're able to, be sure to go out there and support your Bearcats for baseball and softball. Softball will be at 4.30 and 7 p.m. Be sure to go support both of those as they play their home openers and opening day for baseball on that day. Go support your Bearcats. And that is the Sam Houston Half Hour. We will now head to the final buzzer. And with that buzzer you just heard, it's time for the final buzzer. If this is your first time listening to this show, the final buzzer is the final part of our show where I briefly, for two minutes, just go over something that has really been on my mind for a little bit. Kind of like a hot take uh, to end the show. Uh, if you're back here, then obviously same thing as usual, like I just explained. So here we go with the final buzzer. My final buzzer for this week is talking about college basketball. Obviously, with St. John getting the upset victory against Villanova last night, 79-75, four days after beating Duke. Honestly, this is my favorite time of year in college basketball. Why? Because we're in the final month of the regular season. This is when all the upsets are starting to happen. This is when all the fun games are starting to come around. Because now teams are trying to get the best spot possible for their postseason tournament in their conferences to then try to qualify for the big dance in the March Madness tournament. We're seeing a little bit of that here in the Southland Conference as well. Obviously, like I just mentioned in the same Houston half hour, the men's team getting the huge win last night to be able to move themselves up just a little bit and stay within the conversation for the top four in the conference potentially earning them at least a first round by college basketball this is going to be a fun next couple months here obviously with this being the final month of the regular season and then the beginning of next month in march is the start of the conference tournaments get ready basketball fans put your seatbelts on get some popcorn and sit back because this is going to be one fun ride to end the season 
And with that, that is the end of our show. I want to thank you for tuning in to the ep- to the podcast this week. If you've made it this far, congratulations. You are a true fan. Don't forget to go and vote on the halftime poll on who you think will be the coach of the Patriots in the 2018 season, Josh McDaniels or Bill Belichick. Be sure to go vote on Twitter at JustSportsPod. And go vote on there. And also, you can go to that same place, Just Sports Pod on Twitter. Follow us there on Twitter. And if you have any questions, is there something that you like to ask the show about? Something you might want to have be talked about in next week's show? Be sure to just let us know at Just Sports Pod on Twitter, and and we'll see what happens from there. Once again, I want to thank you all for tuning in. If you missed any part of the podcast today, then be sure to go and you can find it at any of these places first off you can go to houstonianonline.org or the houstonian app and click on podcast both of those will take you to the podcast playlist for the houstonian on itunes so you can download it from there for free you can also get it on stitcher you can listen there and download it from there for free uh, on the app stores there and simplecast uh, you can listen from there as well I will also be posting highlights. Myself, Jordan Smith, will be posting highlights from the show on my personal Twitter, at JordanSmithPXP, so be sure to follow me there as well. As well as my YouTube channel, Jordan Smith Productions, I'll be posting highlights of the show there as well. So now you've got all those multitude of places to listen to the show, listen to some of the best parts of it. And also, if you want to hear the show in its entirety, be sure to come back next Thursday here at the same time at 1 p.m. as we once again will talk all things pro and Sam Houston athletics. Thank you once again for tuning in. My name is Jordan Smith signing out. We'll see you next Thursday.